No, no, I picked the one with the extended intro there. But uh, there we go. It is the Jack Michael Show on a Thursday at 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM, 740thefan.com. As uh, we had the day off yesterday, well, well, not entirely, but uh, no show yesterday. The uh, Twins in a home uh, a home run filled game. Oh, must have been traveling at Target Field yesterday. Of seven home runs, Twins fall eight seven to the uh, to the Seattle Mariners. Lose two of three, and he, you know it was it was frustrating. We were hoping to see that they would rebound after kind of giving that uh, giving that game away on Tuesday. And uh, Joe Ryan, Joe Ryan's kind of hit a wall here. The last handful of starts, giving up uh, giving up his share of home runs, and uh, it's kind of yesterday just just labored through. Uh, couldn't get out of the fourth inning, and nice little rally by the Twins, but they uh, they fall short. Busy show today. Jack is on the road, and the heat, well, it's uh, hot everywhere, but uh, uh, no exception than, uh, than in the, the Sioux Empire, sir. Oh, Bradley, good to hear your voice. Yes. Uh, remember that old old cartoon, Take a Left at Albuquerque? <laughs> yes. This is, uh, <laughs> I think we took a left at Albuquerque, because, uh, yeah, congratulations to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Brad. They set a new Single day high at 104 yesterday with a feels-like index, uh, whatever Hades is. That's what it felt like. No, I mean, it was a little warm. Let's just put it that way yesterday. but uh, And warm again today. I just stepped out to load the bus. You know what get- getaway days are like, Brad, and you're loading the bus and you walk out of your your uh, maybe air-conditioned somewhat room mm-hmm. into the oven, and it's like, ooh, Daddy, I can't get in. I can't get back into the hotel fast enough. Uh, but yeah, warm day, uh, and and today is uh, the rubber game of the the series. You had mentioned about home runs and, and the twin series. You know, the home runs played a factor last night in Sioux Falls too. But you know, looking back at that twin Seattle series, they had just you know took a series in Seattle and then got them at home after the Sox. And I'm looking back thinking, are, are the Twins, were, were they fortunate to get one, or, or should they have gotten two? You know, that that is typical baseball uh, right there uh, that, that just happened in Minnesota. That's a very good point because that was, they probably, they won a game Monday that they should have won and then did, shouldn't shouldn't have and then did. Right. And then had seven sparkling innings on Thursday and then it all unraveled. A game you should have won, you didn't, and then, uh, yesterday they were kind of chasing the score yesterday, and they honestly, the MVP yesterday for the Twins was Josh Winder. They needed somebody to, especially when Ryan went early, uh, they needed somebody to basically stretch him out and get him through the game. And they brought him up as a fresh arm and gave four uh, pretty solid innings, kept him in the game, and at least gave him a fighting chance in the uh, late in the ball game. You know, I, I not to make I guess boxing analogies here, but like a baseball season. There, there are so many Tysons that are out there. You know, whenever yeah. when you watch Ty, when you watch Mike Tyson, those fights didn't last long. He just came out and boom, you were you were done. Then there's the Rocky buildup, right? That you have to sustain like eight rounds, and you know, even your your wife and your trainers are telling you to quit and throw in the towel, and and you've got to get your eye cut open and hang in the ring, and then maybe at the end you pull it out. Well, a lot of teams are like that. And it kind of feels like the Twins are in that. That Rocky mode, they're trying to win each round and just hang in the fight long enough to to pull out at the end. And, you know, the, I guess the Mike Tysons of this world in baseball would be like Atlanta and some of those teams. But, you know, the Twins, like the Red Hawks right now because they're going through injury, are kind of like when Rocky, those middle rounds where he was getting knocked around, yep. limping over to the bench and getting a sponge of water thrown on his face and then stepping back into the ring and going another round. That's kind of... I think a lot of teams, though, Brett, are probably more like the Rocky scenario than the Tyson scenario, though, right? Uh, probably. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Uh, yeah, Twins off tonight and a three-game series with the Royals. They'll uh, go through Missouri, where it's not going to be real cool there as well. Kansas City Oof. and St. Louis in uh, the next week. We'll visit with Corey Provis coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, coming up on the program, uh, even though there's no baseball at Newman Outdoor Field, they uh, they have a, a busy weekend, a fun weekend that uh, – the Fargo Blues Festival is over a quarter century old. That's uh, that's that seems hard to believe, but that is this weekend. Uh, Brian Shin, the uh, promoter, and Wayne Baker Brooks, one of the performers, will be joining us here uh, in a few minutes or so, and then uh, about twelve forty. Uh, I know we've got a story at seven forty thefancom kfgo.com, and um, uh, it's 
kind of starting to gain some uh, some momentum. The 14-year-old Babe Ruth team, it's the first in Moorhead youth baseball history, Moorhead youth baseball, to qualify for this tournament. They uh, are raising money to try and get out to Fredericksburg, Virginia, August 3rd through the 13th for the Babe Ruth World Series, and they would represent basically the Midwest area. I know there's been teams from around here, either Little League or Babe Ruth or even Legion from around our area that um, – that have represented our area, but the first time, at least for this one, for Moorhead, and I'm just looking to see where they're at donation-wise. Well, they're, the goal is fifty grand. they are a little over twenty yep. grand right now, so they're making some pretty good progress on well, that. Uh, Dean Meyer, assistant coach, will join us about 1240. Well, you know what? And, and maybe today on, on the Jack Michaels Show, Brad Anderson, Jack Michaels, maybe today we can uh, we can help push that number close think about it you know you pack the andersons in the car just to drive to minneapolis that's a pretty expensive weekend you pack an entire baseball team to go to fredericksburg virginia right that takes that takes and, and you're representing the community that takes a little bit of a little bit of coin and, and i and i heard you mention and you're right you know you think of all the great you know just the youth programs and legion programs and everybody that came out of moorhead that played and you know my goodness and my you know, from the Greg Salvolds all the way through all of the uh, the, um, the the players that we know and the names that we know Brad uh, for this team uh, it's not easy to get to a World Series and Dean will come on and and explain the route and the path that they took for us and and all that but yeah it, they aren't just representing Moorhead this is this is our backyard we've seen recently how the community rallies around each other for obviously different reasons and, and, and certainly sad and tragic and raising hope reasons. But this is an avenue where in sport uh, you can help help these young men that whose lives are going to be changed by this experience. So I'm excited to, to do what we can on the fan uh, to get the word out and, and help uh, Moorhead Youth Baseball, the 14-year-olds. That's, uh, that's, that is a memory when those uh, that team gets out there that they are going to have for the rest of their time on earth. I don't care what it is. Think about us, Brad. Even if you, even if you called a state tournament, you know, you still, we, we sit around, us old broadcasters, we sit around and go, remember that state tourney and whatever, just as broadcasters. Now imagine playing in a World Series and telling your children and grandchildren, that's what this is all about. So for those that think it's, oh, okay, it's a World Series, good for them. No, <laughs> this is this is big stuff. This is life changing kind of memories for these kids. So I'm excited when when they reached out and we connected and, and be able to, to to help. And as you said, if you go on the web page and and get that done, I I um and I can't wait to hear from Wayne Baker Brooks. You know that blues festival. I remember when that was a a thing. And then you know I was like, oh cool, they're utilizing the field when the Red Hawks are on the road. That's got to be neat. And yeah, now it's 25 years old, which, by the way, to our text club today, 35270, Brad, um, and I guess we'll allow country. Uh, oftentimes we don't uh, because it's just a lot of vague music with a lot of titles for country. We like country, but just but today we'll allow it. And, and simply put, Brad, uh, we'll go top three, top three songs ever written, and I mean ever written, pen to paper, sung, performed, ever written, with the word blue in the title. Now, when Brad and I bring these up, don't, you know, it's fun just to throw out, you know, songs with blue in the title. We get that. But we want you to think past that. I want, we want the top three songs in your heart, your genuine soul that you feel are the greatest three songs ever written with the word blue in the title. And as I'm saying that, Brad, One's already coming to my mind where I might want to say, okay, we'll take the other two. Because <laughs> there's an Elvis Presley song that just popped into my mind. But anyway, so how about that for the text club today, Brad? That, that would be our... That's not little. a bad one. I think I know which one you're thinking of with the Elvis <laughs> okay. tune. Um, yeah, right? So I think that that might be a top three. I mean, okay. uh, that, that might be. So I'll throw that out. And then... Uh, how long? Before, how about Colorado? The the just to I wanted to get into that. Yes, there was a couple of college <laughs> topics that I wanted yes. to get into, and that was one. And I actually was just looking here. Uh, PJ Fleck is kind of uh, trying to answer. Oh yeah. Basically, respond to some of the. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if there's a whole lot. To, I mean, obviously, there's some. You know, a couple of former players and uh, maybe had a bad 
experience with the Gophers or not, but yeah, he's he I well, he had to respond, and we got a couple of a couple of uh, clips here. We'll play maybe later on, uh, kind of responding to uh, the online report that his program had a quote unquote toxic nature. But yeah, let's go. Let's go with Colorado first. Let's start there, but I'm curious your thoughts. When I saw this, you know, our dear friend uh, Mark, the Mark Johnson, our buddy that is the longtime voice of the Colorado Buffaloes. So I'm just thinking of Johnson, how his life has changed in Colorado in the last, you know, year or whatnot with prime time coming over. And so Colorado, who had not fared well football-wise now in the in the Pac-12, you know, they're trying to turn the corner, you know, and they've had some inroads, you know, on maybe the hoop side, but let's just stick with football. And then prime time comes over, and all of a sudden, like Boulder and the Buffs and Colorado and horses and cowboy hats, and like it just it goes on the proverbial map. Deion Sanders has a habit that that's not uncommon for that to happen around prime time. So we go through all that whirlwind, and everything is is upending. Of course, we had guys uh, you know leaving the program, other guys signing, you know, and so it's just been a mainstay. And you're thinking, okay, let's just wait for that uh, season to start and see how he does in the next couple of years. And then, of course, the, the ever-shifting planes of the of the conferences with the Big 12 losing a, you know, a couple of key members that are exiting, with the Pac-12 having a couple of key members out of L.A. heading to the Big 10. So now, uh, I, guess, I guess if you've loved and then fell out of love and then remarry again, if we can go down that angle, so Colorado – and not that Colorado's coming out saying this, but obviously the Big 12, as you know, Brad, is having, you know, some preliminary conversations about that, of welcoming Colorado back into the Big 12. And and the, the cool thing with them, now they can wait uh, for a year or so until that contract with the television deal runs out, and they'll have no penalty, from what I understand, uh, to making the switch. So they really uh, get over there on a move that's not going to cost them a, a nickel uh, to do so, going back to the Big 12. And my questions, Brad, is good for, I guess, the Big 12 because that that conference, that power conference has shifted and changed now uh, and, and continually does. Where does this leave the Pac-12? <laughs> that, that's my question. Well, yeah, because I say the Big 12 added four uh, at the first of the month, Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida, and BYU as they're trying to kind of recoup their losses with Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, they're right. going to the uh, SEC here next year. That is a good question for the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, it, it, San Diego State, that carrot's been dangled out there. SMU has been brought up. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's I, I've maybe the Big 12's looking at other Pac-12 schools. I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, I think the Man. Big 12 is, I would say, trying to recoup a little bit. And obviously, this I think this is a good get. I think it's a good matchup again. I think Colorado probably belongs in the Big 12 and I think is probably geographically competitively um I think will fit just fine in the Big 12. I mean it, yeah. you know and the, the Big 12 is going to get basically the Denver market back and uh I I I think that's a win-win for both. I look at those those power conferences and you know and if you're the other schools that are somewhat profiled in the Pac-12 are you um are you, uh, you know, bonding closer now? And as you said, uh, let's let's get together and let's add and and, and maintain a, a viable, strong Pac-12 conference. Even though, and it's not like Colorado was necessarily, you know, didn't have the same panache maybe as USC or UCLA or some of those other ones. There was still enough, and certainly with the addition of primetime, like them or not, you know, they had garnered more value. So you were you were you were online. But I'm wondering those other Pac-12 schools, Brad, that are that have a little bit of stay in power and name recognition and brand, if they're sitting back, kind of going, "Well, let's wait a minute. Maybe, maybe we should. Maybe we can jump." You know, or is it the other way? Do we stand firm and build this conference and build it back up? And you know, the the West Coast always has been not irrelevant, but it doesn't get as much play certainly as the SEC. Or the Big Ten. By the time their games get underway late at night, uh, the East Coast certainly isn't paying much attention, you know, Brad. So that's why I thought, it, great for Colorado. I'm with you. I think it fits right. It seems like right to go mm-hmm. back to the Big Twelve. Yep. But my thing is, the Pac-12. And, and I, you know, I, I mean, I pay attention to the games. I guess late at night, or if the games are later, that's fine. It's something to watch. But as far as its relation to the SEC, the Big Ten. 
and you know realigned uh, Big Twelve, as you just said, uh, with 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 the addition of those teams. I, I I'm curious how much staying power that Pac-12 has, or are we just heading towards a major three major conference? And oh yeah, by the way, there's the Pac-12 also. Yeah, I'm I'm curious on this landscape, Brad. The next couple of years. I, I'm as well. I just can't imagine. I can't see Oregon sticking around. Uh, you know, I wonder about Washington, Washington State. I would say if you're going to get, you know, if somebody's going to take one, I think they got to take them both. But Oregon, you know, with with Phil Knight and the Nike money, they'd be attractive Ooh. for somebody. I don't know if the, the Big Ten would maybe latch on to them, or heck, maybe the Big Twelve might. I don't know. It, but I don't. I don't. If they were going to go. I think I could see Big Ten over Big Twelve. I think they would. That would. Just kind of would have a little more panache, I think, for them than it would say uh, the Big Twelve. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm with you. The Big Ten media day, all these media days coming up, and the and the and the Valley will have theirs here shortly too. But uh, the the major conference media days, and you know, I'm flicking around the dial, you know, late last night, early this morning, and and I'm looking at between the NFL and then media days. So what is like the Big Ten? And it's all obviously about Northwestern, and it's about hazing rituals. And you mentioned now allegations or something popping up that P.J. Fleck is, is can't refute in baseless and all the things that P.J. is saying, and good for him if there's nothing there. That's, it's, that's what stinks about it. Anybody can make allegations. But once they're made, once it becomes like in the media, you know, nobody, not many people look past it. You know, they're like, oh, see, I told you, you know, and immediately you're guilty before you're, proven but it's like i look at the the media days and the big 10 it's it's i'd love to hear about the football teams and i saw coach day in ohio state and there was some football talk in there but it's been consumed by hazing seminars now being offered across the board for northwestern which is good but you know it's all this other minutiae <laughs> that is that's on that and then in the nfl i turn and all it is is about the you know the lack of, of dollars and holdouts in the running back right uh, position of the NFL. I'm like, I'm like, what are we watching in sports now? I mean, it's like there's not. I remember back in the day we used to just talk about the players and how your team is going to be, and now it's like you really have to peel the onion back to find out like exactly what the two deep is for various teams. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it is something, and that that whole we've got over that the 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 NFL the kind of the devaluing of the running back too, and yeah, it's it. I I don't get it. I mean, yeah, it's just I I suppose you know it's that's the hot talk a hot topic that comes up. And David Braun uh, had spoke to the media and, and kind of you know trying to move forward with that. And and a quote from uh, P.J. Flack here this um, uh, about the the allegations. And that's basically what they are right now. And Fleck says the allegations baseless may stem from an unnamed former staff member at the school, but he believes. Uh, he believes he knows where the allegations came from. You know, a former university staff member clearly has a personal vendetta against myself and our football program, and each year he kind of peddles this story, this similar story, to numerous media outlets uh, who, who will bite. Uh, the majority of the players he speaks to have been removed or dismissed from our football program. Our culture is proven to work on and off the field and has always done in a first-class manner. There are tons of testimonials from past, current, and even future Gophers that support and prove that, so our energy is going to stay focused on the 2023 season. You know, P.J., you kind of have to take with a grain of salt what he's what he's telling you but um why if this was this has been a problem why did it come up now that the timing of this seems a little too good to be true right you know and for those that don't know uh some of the allegations or complaints i think and brad can correct me if i'm wrong was that pj would overlook i think what i read or, or heard about was positive like drug tests and other rules violations that certain players had kind of banked points. I forget what they, like a fleck bank, I think is what I recall them saying, like they bank up goodwill points, so that's overlooking some possible, you know, either positive drug tests or, again, I, you know, that's what that's what he's speaking to. So I'm glad you played that cut that PJ could obviously speak to that, Brad. But I think that's what... At least some of the crux, right, Brad, was on this? Yeah, I guess I was just reading, reading one uh, story here as well. The uh, uh, the report, yeah, they've what Fleck called the Fleck Bank, in which players could Fleck rack Bank. up goodwill to circumvent the repercussions of failed drug tests and other violations. Fleck said the Fleck Bank was mostly used in 2017 and 18, so in his first couple of years of the program, as an analogy for investing in the program. 
Yeah. Okay. And PJ's, you know, those that hear PJ Black and know around him and our chats with like JG, who's with him on a regular basis mm-hmm. on that, you know, PJ's all about that, that internal. And, and again, I, I don't know him from Adam, but you know, that's his game is building this and positive that and accumulating and all and row the boat. <laughs> you know, so you can see, right. you know, that that's that. So coaches again, like coaches like slogans, don't they? They do. And I'll tell you another thing, going back to a running back talk, if the, if college football uh, starts to gear towards where the NFL is perceived now, where the devaluation, so to speak, of, of, of the running back spot, if college football uh, happens to go that route, uh, you and I both call college football games. If I ever have a coach says we need to run the ball, I'm going to say, ah, I don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't do that we need, anymore. You can't do that anymore. You know, we need to run the ball and stop the run. I don't think that that is uh, widespread at the collegiate ranks. I think that is something still very much alive, which is funny, Brad, because it's still very much alive in many programs, the ability to run the ball, and so you're producing running backs. But, again, to our conversation with the, you know, and obviously every, Saquon Barkley finally signed, and you see all these backs, I'm curious because college players become NFL players, college football players, running backs become members of the draft. But yet if the draft uh, doesn't wait until later rounds to draft running backs, you know, I, I don't know. You know, and again, it's not a college to sit uh, job to sit and develop guys for pro. But at the same token, uh, they're, they're sports and fads, baby. I mean, tell me about it, Brad. They, they just trend. If it works, you know what I'm talking about. If it works in one league for one team, that might work for our team in our league. And then we start going that way. And then the other team goes, boy, it's working for them. So maybe we need to more, instead of just a, a two-back set or an I formation, maybe we can just drop back, get a little protection, and use slot guys as opposed to more straightforward running. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I'm curious to get in the next level if this is the thing of football or if it's just a thing in the NFL? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I still think you're going to see probably maybe more so at the maybe the higher levels you're, you're going to see some of that. But I think you're seeing, you know, we've seen NDSU succeed with with the ground and pollen. Even South Dakota right. State can open things up a little bit. But, you know, even UND with even some of the weapons that they have yep. uh, with Belquist and some of those guys on the outside, um, they needed they needed Hoosman. They need they needed Isaiah Smith to run the football. So I mean, it, it, good point. I don't think it's going to die, but I mean, it's it's right now it's a it's a pass happy league. The NFL is, and that's you know led by the quarterbacks and the receivers and such. And you know, it, I think it varies. You know, it, it varies. It's going to vary in college just because you know just different coaches' philosophies more than anything else. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, good stuff. I will. Um, and by the way, I am starting to watch quarterback on Netflix on this road trip, yep. Brad. The yes. oh. My body's in pain watching Kirk Cousins featured in this piece. I mean, this guy, I don't know how Kirk puts his body together after Sunday. For those that haven't seen it, and it's Mahomes and Mark, Marcus Mariota and, and Kirk Cousins that follows them around. And my goodness gracious, it's, it's really well put together, and you really get a, an insight into what these boys go through. And Cousins is, uh, I mean... I have a little more admiration for Kirk, and not that I didn't before, but, boy, I'll tell you, he takes a lot of hits. And to get his body going on Sunday, it's incredible. So yeah, I it's – I would encourage. It, I, you know, and that's one thing. He has his detractors, and some of them, I think, have valid reasons. But I will say other than what, I think he missed a game because he had COVID um, late in the year of the game against the Packers. I was at 20, 20 or 21. I think it was 21. How many games has he yeah. missed? I mean, it, they've sat him, you know, at the, at the end of regular seasons when they've had, you know, playoff games clinched up and all that type of thing. But he's been really durable in his career. I mean, you know, you think about uh, the quarterbacks in the league and some of the injuries and such. He's a pretty he's a pretty durable cat. I got to give him that. <laughs> there are a lot of abilities in sport. The most remember the old adage is the most po- the, the best one availability. You know, he's been that available. Helps, yes, <laughs> durability. Yeah, that's stuff. Uh, good stuff. And what do we got coming up, Brad? I'm All gonna... right. Uh, I just wanted an update. Tom Hoagie finished his first round at the uh, uh, 3M Open, TPC Twin Cities in Blaine. Uh, double bogey, three-putted uh, number seven, which was his 16th hole of the day, and then he bogeyed on uh, 18. 
Uh, actually, number nine, but his final hole of the day. But still three under. He had uh, pretty good, pretty decent round. Kind of disappointing there. He uh, dub- a double and a bogey. Uh, two of his final three holes, but he had six birdies in the round. So uh, off to uh, off to a nice start there. Excellent. When we come back, Wayne Baker Brooks. Yeah, yeah. Blues Fest coming up, right? Wayne Baker Brooks with Fred Anderson and Dean Meyer coming up around 1240. We'll talk about that World Series appearance for the Moorhead 14-year-olds. All that today. Brad in a 68-degree studio. Jack Michaels in an oven in Sioux Falls. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have more, more next on the Jack Michaels Show. Brad Anderson on 740 The Fan. Some of the sounds you'll hear this weekend with the uh, Fargo Blues Festival is uh, even though the Red Hawks are out of town, that means Newman Outdoor Field is uh, is busy with the annual Fargo Blues Festival. Brian Shin in studio. And that uh, gentleman you just heard, that song, it's called It Don't Work Like That. Wayne Baker Brooks on the line with us as well. Good morning to both of you. Well, good morning, Brad. Yeah. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Fargo. Well, uh, you're looking forward. Have you uh, you've been to the Blues Festival before? Is this your first visit to Fargo? Uh, give us uh, give us more details. Oh no, man! I used to uh, uh, tour with my dad. Um, I started off with my dad as a guitar tech, and gradually worked my way up into uh, being his guitarist and then band leader and musical director. So we would play Fargo quite often. Uh, the Blues Fest, uh, the Winter Fest and other venues around Fargo. Uh, I know uh, a couple of times we toured with uh, uh, George Thorogood, uh, uh, the Bad to the Bone Tour, Badlands Tour. Uh, so we've been to Fargo, man. I love Fargo because there's a lot of blues lovers here. Now, Newman Outdoor, too, this is uh, this is an event that's been around, I think, kind of forget how long this has been. 28th uh, annual. 28th. So 28. basically, basically since the ballpark opens. Yep, yep, pretty much. All right. Um, you're a Chicago guy, Wayne. Uh, I guess you, you've kind of touched on it a little bit. Do you kind of you kind of inherited your love for the Blues with um, uh, through your uh, through your father? And uh, just how long you been at this? I've been at it. Uh, I used to help my dad when I was like uh, six years old, helping him write demos and uh, songs. And you know, I would keep the beat on pots and pans with forks and knives and and spoons. And uh, my brother would. Uh, keep the bass line going on the guitar. And I had to been around six years old. Ronnie had to been around nine. And, you know, I look at that as our first songwriting lesson, man. That's where it all started with me, the love of the music. You know, he would make it so much fun for us that he'd use it against us. He'd be like, did you do your homework first? <laughs> or did you do the dishes first? He said, when you get done with that, come, you can come and play with me. And uh, we just loved it so much, man. And then um, as I got older, I switched from uh, drums to guitar at the age of 19. And I just started writing my own songs and doing my own thing uh, since uh, I started my band in 1997. So I would uh, perform with my dad. And then when he wasn't performing, I would do my band and we would tour. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. When it uh, when it comes, you mentioned guitar and drums. Are there other instruments, other things that you can play too? No, but I play the radio really, really well, man. I just <laughs> heard that suck up. <laughs> All right, very good. But obviously, the you know the, you're kind of known for your guitar playing as well. And I just what's um, what's special about the about blues music to you? Blues music is very infectious, man. It's it 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 it's a sound that uh, started in Chicago, uh, basically with Muddy Waters and uh, uh, Little Walter. They were the first ones in any genre to pl- uh, electrify electrify music. So uh, Muddy had this um, pickup that he put into his acoustic amp. I mean, guitar, and it had like a little amp to go with it. And it was very new. And the reason why he did that 
was because <clears throat> he would play acoustic in the clubs in the city of Chicago, which was during the migration. You know, people would come up to Chicago to get better work. So when they when they got better work, they would party and they would party hard and they would be loud and here's muddy with his acoustic and can't nobody hear him play. So he said, Man, forget that. I'm gonna get this thing to amplify this and y'all gonna hear me. And that was the birth of Chicago blues. When he did that and he electrified the blues, little Walter did the same thing and he electrified his uh harmonica plan through an amp. So that's the basis of Chicago blues. And when they did uh, Can't Be Satisfied, they changed the whole game of blues and American music. And you're going to pass that on. You're going to electrify this audience in Fargo this weekend, aren't you? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> it. Looking forward to it, too. You'll be the 5 p.m. show on Friday. You talk about kind of the Chicago style of blues. I'm trying to think of other places. Memphis is one that probably pops up. But uh, just the different genre and styles of blues that you find across the country, uh, where are the other spots? Uh, New Orleans, St. Louis. uh, You know, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, different styles in in Texas um, and and, uh, that type of Texas uh, blues swing, you know, migrated into California area, you know, a, a little bit. But, um, you know, those are the, the mainstays of, uh, of of blues is Chicago, Memphis, Mississippi. That's where it all began, you know. Um, they have their own style as well. Uh, the Delta blues, the North, uh, the North Mississippi uh, style of Delta blues. Um yeah, man, it's it's all over. It's all over. It, and and it, it basically comes from the South. And you're getting, uh, Brian, uh, you're kind of get. that's the kind of great thing about it. It's the Blues Festival, but it's kind of different style of blues all weekend long. Well, yeah, that's, you know, actually I was talking to my brother last night, and he's in Chicago, and I was talking to him about the Blues Festival and some of the acts. He's like, is Fargo a mecca for blues? And I'm like, no, that's what makes it so cool because we're bringing the blues here. I mean, it's right here in our backyard. You don't have to travel to Texas or Chicago or anywhere. You just come to Newman Outdoor this weekend and you're going to get some of the top national artists in the country right here this weekend, starting tomorrow and running Saturday. And I tell you, go to FargoBlues.com and it's going to have a list of all the, you know, we get 12 bands mm-hmm. and there's nonstop music. So, you know, when, when, when Wayne Breaker Brooks, he's done with his set and they're setting up for the next act, we've got our side stage and Thursday blues band is going to be out there rocking it too. So, I mean, it's, it's all right there and it's right here in our backyard. And I tell you, Brad, there's nothing better then sitting out there, and the weather's going to be so nice. It's not going to be as hot as it's been. You know, it's going to be like upper 80 or lower 80. So here's the thing what you do, man, is you get out there and you set your, your lawn chair there and you take your sandals off and you rub your toes to that beautifully manicured grass at Newman Outdoor Field and you kick back with a cold beverage and you close your eyes and you listen to some of the best blues in the country right here at Newman Outdoor Field this weekend. It's phenomenal. The stage is set up, I uh, favor for folks that have gone there for a ball game, kind of set up in the outfield, right? Yep, it's in center field. Okay. So they're right there in the in the outfield. So you got the grass area, the outfield that you're able to set up in. And we've got vendors. We've got barbecue guys here. We're going to have some ribs out there. We've got, uh, of course, adult beverages. Uh, Newman Outdoor Field, they have some of their concessions open. Uh, there's some vendors out there that are selling some, some different items and whatnot. So, and, and the thing is, a, a ticket, a single-day ticket is only $50. It's $50 for a one-day ticket. A two-day ticket is 75 Or you want to go big, you go for that $160 VIP ticket. And what you're going to get with that, Brad, is you get side stage access. So you don't need to bring – they'll have chairs there. You don't have to bring a chair in. You got a VIP tent to get out of the sun. Uh, the bands that do meet and greets, you get to do that. Uh, private portable toilets. You get three meals, beverages, and you get four beers with that. So that's the way to go. That's a that's a heck of a deal. Like I say, you got to have barbecue if you're gonna have the blues, right, guys? Right, right. So we got a nice rib cooker out there, and and the other thing too is is you can camp. A lot of people don't know this. We have camping there. Fifty dollars, you can set up your camper out in the uh, Fargo Dome West parking lot, and that's only fifty dollars. But you know, ah, Brad, I go to a lot of festivals. You know, I go to We Fest, to Moon Dance, and whatnot. But this is the only one that's in Fargo that 
I can Uber to, you know, <laughs> a good point. I can That's catch an Uber and, and, you know, boom, I can get my full of blues and then I can just Uber home and then Uber back the next day. I mean, I tell you, it's right here because we want everybody to be, be responsible. Don't drink and drive, but yep. come out here and have a great time. It's all right here at Newman Outdoor. FargoBlues.com has everything you're going to need to know. Wayne Baker Brooks and all the phenomenal. Oh, and I'm really looking forward to Kat Riggins. She's going to be up. She's going to be playing Saturday night. And that woman is phenomenal. She's one of the best blue artists. In the, uh, she's powerhouse. She's got a powerhouse. She doesn't hold anything back. She's been compared to Tina Turner. So you really, there's just so much to talk about here. So many different bands. You got to come out here and check it out. Wayne, what's this? Uh, what's what's this venue like for you? I'm sure you play a lot of indoor indoor environments, but what's this like to play uh, outside and in, uh, in, in a ballpark like this at Newman? Man, it's 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 uh, it's a dream. It's you know to be able to play a a, a field like that. Um, I played it before, and um, I, I love performing there because it, it's visually when I'm looking out. You know, at the crowd, it's visually really, really cool, you know, and I don't know how it would look far as from the audience perspective to to us, but far as me looking out in the crowd, seeing a sea of people, man, it's 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 amazing. FargoBlues.com is uh, the website, and, and uh, you can get tickets just at the ticket office. Can you just get them the day of, too? Yep, you can just walk right up there. Or you can pick them up at Happy Harry's, too. All right, very good. Well, I uh, appreciate it, guys. This sounds like a, a lot of fun. This is, like I said, this has been uh, but a little over a quarter century now, the Fargo Blues Festival. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned earlier, it's not going to be 95 like it was yesterday. No, it's going to be gonna nice. It's going to be nice. For, for both days. Uh, Brian? I uh, certainly appreciate you coming in, Wayne. Appreciate it, and uh, have fun this weekend. But uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Have Thank a good one, buddy. Brad. All right, Thank 20 minutes. Fargo. There you go. 20 minutes before 1 o'clock, as we'll come back with more of the Jack Michaels Show next on 740 The Fan. Got to tell you, Brad, thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, it's always good to see Brian. You know when Brian Shim pops into your studio, Something's going on somewhere, and uh, it was a great conversation with Wayne Baker Brooks. And I, as, as they said, I encourage you to get out to Newman Outdoor Field and uh, and just enjoy the weekend of that Blues Fest. And bring your ears along and tune into Red Hawks baseball, by the way. But at the same token, enjoy that Blues Fest. That's going to be phenomenal. So many great acts and bands, and that was just fun to listen to, uh, Wayne Baker Brooks. What else is fun is that we've got – it's the time of year – where Legion and, and Babe Ruth and, and tournaments are going on, and all these young men and at, at some point girls are, are looking to advance. You know, the two-way tournament going on in Dickinson, the A starts tomorrow in, in Kindred in North Dakota, the B is going on in Carrington. And then on the Minnesota side of things, you know, maybe you started catching wind. And Brad said if you go to 740thefan.com, you can read about Moorhead 14-year-old, that Moorhead uh, black team that's that has has earned the right to go to the World Series. And Dean Meyer, one of the coaching staff there, you know, Wyatt Gunkel, the Dean and the crew, uh, getting their team prepared for World Series in Virginia. And I know time is short, but Dean's got time, a couple minutes for us today. And, Dean, thanks for, for joining us today. First of all, on behalf of the fan, you know, congratulations. This is quite an achievement. But uh, take us through the path to where you are today and what you're getting prepared for, Dean, you know, and take us through the path of the team this year and, and what it took to get to where you're going. Well, Jack, first up, I want to say thank you for uh, having us on your show and uh, giving a little bit of publicity to the kids and the journey that they're on here. And, yes, um, it's been quite the journey. You know, when you consider we started back on April 24th, I think, was our first game this year. And – it's been amazing to watch these boys become men through this entire season that the support that they've had for each other and, and the growth and to see them achieve something that has never occurred in the city of Moorhead since Babe Ruth was first chartered in 1958. And that type of achievement that they can bring to the city is just phenomenal to be able to hopefully show the younger kids what they can dream for and get to someday. It, it is so impressive, Dean. The and Brad and I were talking earlier today. You know, for some, okay, it's it's a baseball. Oh, great, they're going to the World Series. And I thought, no, 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 no. 
don't don't under don't, don't sell this short. This is this is stuff as you talked about watching the maturation of this team and uh, laying some pioneering groundwork for those that follow behind. But on top of that, these guys and this squad and and even the coaches are going to be. This is a memory. This is a lifelong memory, right, Dean? Whether you win, lose, tie, win a game, win two, whatever the case may be, virtually just the trip itself is something that they're going to carry for the rest of their lives, correct? Yes, this is this is something that we talked to them as they qualified last weekend out in Rapid City with the regional tournament, that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and that they need to understand what what yes this accomplishment means but at the same time why it has been talking to them and basically getting them down to also understand that it is just another game go play your game and let you do the work and you will achieve what you need to achieve Dean Meyer with us uh, Moorhead Youth in a moment by the way we're going to let you know how you can be part of helping this team reach their goals. As I, I said, Dane, as you know, uh, uh, you and I could get in the Wagon Queen family truckster and go visit Medora for the weekend in Western Nodak, and, you know, that would spend a little bit of money on that. But things like this also are collective community effort because they're representing the community. So these are not inexpensive ventures. Uh, it, it, you got to be fortunate to do. At, at the end, we'll ask you again, but where are you? Brad had mentioned that, that you're starting to chip away at that goal, but where are you sitting right now as far as what you, what you need to get this team to, to uh, Virginia? We're sitting at about halfway of our fundraising goal. We set um, a goal for the boys to be able to cover their travel expenses, their hotel, their food, um, of about $50,000. And right now, the way we're calculating, they're over halfway there. You know, and it is these boys are the ones that are doing all the work. They're the ones that are out there in the community. They're in front of the business owners representing not only Moorhead, but like you said, they are representing the Midwest. They've been working through Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo. They've contacted businesses outside of this area and have gotten support. And and the community in a, as a whole has been unbelievable in the way they have received them. Um, and we tried to talk to them through that whole process. Go out, talk. You will be well received. They're there to support you. I, I was just looking at I was just looking at the field here, Dean. Uh, if you go to BabeRuthWorldSeries.org, you can find it. But uh, obviously, when you see, you know, you know you're going to see a lot from the East Coast just because where the tournament's located. And then you see a team from Texas and West Virginia, and then you look, and then there's Aruba and Australia and Mexico. I mean, it, it would hard not to be, you know. Grown-ups could be real wide-eyed, I, I, but you just want to tell them, hey, it's just a game, but there's, you know, there's just the experiences around it is just going to be, they're going to talk about this forever. Yeah, they are. They're going to talk about it forever. They start off their first game against uh, California. Game two, they actually play Mexico. Um, and so that is going to be kind of uh, an experience of a lifetime, being able to play an international team that they may most likely will never get another chance at doing in their lifetime. So enjoy it, but also go play the game. Have fun is the biggest thing. Have fun out there and just play your game. Hey, Dean, uh, the, the team's obviously got some talent. Let's talk about the X's and O's of this club. What what excites you about this team? Better yet, you know, what gives this Moorhead team an opportunity to make a, make a, make a little noise in that World Series? This team is actually really, really well balanced. They have been together now for a couple of years, the entire squad, um, all the way from uh, they've got kids that stand out for hitting, but the hitting goes up and down the entire lineup. Um, pretty much the entire team is able to take that mound and be able to succeed and get the team a win. Uh, their feeling is phenomenal. Um, a lot of that, I think... There's there's some credit that needs to go to the coach, White Gunkel, who has brought these kids um, from a 500 team last year to a team that is 37 and 20 uh, for the year. And so they have grown phenomenally. Um, I really don't think there is like one piece that is a, a real weakness on the team. They're strong all the way up and down their gloves, their bats, um, their pitching. 
it, it's a very, very strong team. And there is belief among these kids that they can go out there and they can make some noise in Virginia. How much traveling, uh, obviously you're going to play play some teams around here and uh, throughout the state, but uh, how much traveling have you done so far this year? Um, a lot of our local games, you know, are anywhere from Fergus Falls to Grand Forks. Um, they've played in multiple tournaments this summer. They've uh, played in two tournaments in Sioux Falls, a couple here in Fargo, tournament in Bemidji. Um, so, you know, a big... A big thank you needs to go out to the parents who have supported all of these kids through the entire season, gotten them to their games, to their practices, to their tournaments. Uh, without those parents, uh, the kids wouldn't be where they are either. Really good stuff. In the couple of remaining minutes with Dean Meyer from uh, Moorhead 14-year-old Babe Ruth team, the Moorhead Black team are heading to uh, Virginia for the World Series. In a moment, we'll tell you how you – uh, can help them on their quest. I got to tell you, Dean, over the years and growing up in Williston, North Dakota, I remember I wasn't quite old enough, but they had the, the World Series, Babe Ruth World Series, and I want to say 1980. And uh, those of us that were a little bit under the cusp there that couldn't play, so I was always a little envious of the Babe Ruthers that, as a host team. But I thought, uh, you know, so we were all ball shaggers. <laughs> we got to be ball shaggers and bat boys, the other ones. And I thought, I, I could reel off names of the players from Fort Pierce, Florida, that played on that team. But the kicker on this is that as much as we thought like kids were different that came from Florida and California and Massachusetts, we realized quickly that, nope, they put their pants on the seats. <laughs> they're, they're just like we are. They're 14-year-olds. They just come from a different part of the country. So, you know, that, that awe in awe of a tournament and then our players thought, no, they're, they're kind of like us. We can actually win a game here in this tournament. My guess is probably going to be the same thing for your kids. They'll be an off for a second. And then, like you said, and, and Coach Gunkel, act, you know, they're just like you are. That's correct. You know, it, and that's the biggest thing, I think, um, that, that Coach Gunkel's brought into these kids is getting them to realize that you can play against anybody you want to play to. They, they went down to Sioux Falls and played uh, – they're only 14, and they played in a 16-year-old tournament, and they went 2-2. Two and two. It goes to show what he has brought to this team, that when you play maybe a team that be, be a step above you, you bring your A game, and like you said, they put their shoes and pants and jersey on the same way you do. Just go out there and play ball and have some fun, and the rest will do the work. Hey, right now on the Jack Michaels Show with Brad Anderson in the studio, Jack in Sioux Falls, Dean Meyer with us. Uh, I'll tell you this, if, if 25 businesses right now uh, cut a check for $1,000 to 25 of those players, they will have reached their goal. That's 25 for 1000 You know, I feel like I'm in a, like a, you know, this maybe is a new thing for us on this show. We can just raise money for, for great causes and all that. But uh, that or individually, if you're approached by a, a player, by all means, uh, you're not only just supporting that team, you're really supporting the community. So that's what that's all about. Dean, is there a website that you can direct people to or a number that people can help you guys out? Yep. So anybody that's wanting to uh, donate financially to help these uh, these young men out, uh, they can go to spotfund.com and you search Moorhead World Series Trip and you can click and donate there. Um, there are other multiple events that are going on. Buffalo Wild Wings is going to be supporting kids with uh, portions of uh, sales next Wednesday in Moorhead. That'll be going to the team. Uh, Murphy's Pub, currently over in Moorhead, is doing a special of $2 for every kid's meal, $2 for every uh, cocktail that is going to the team. Uh, Sweet Shots is going to be holding a fundraiser for them. The Clubhouse over in Moorhead for virtual golf, they're also going to be holding an event. Um, a couple of easy ones, TLC Cleaning, they are uh, doing a fundraiser that uh, a percentage of every gift card that is purchased through them goes to the team. The shirt shop, where an individual, if they want a Moorhead baseball shirt, they are also uh, supporting the team. That uh, percentage of proceeds go to the team. And then last but not least, um, uh, Sweet Treats Ice Cream Truck is actually going to be at the Moorhead Centennial Youth Baseball Facility at 2615th Avenue North. 
during uh, the Little League games tonight. There's a few games left on that side, and they're setting up there, and they are giving 100% of all their proceeds tonight to these boys for their trip. Uh, so anybody that can go and support in any of those various uh, ways, it is greatly appreciated, and all these boys love the support that they have seen from the community. I think people are excited to be part of this, and uh, Dean was just reeling off all that. That's fantastic, Dean. I know the desire is there uh, for this club. So that uh, I think people really enjoy helping out in our community. So this, uh, I have no question about that goal being reached. And as the first one he said is spotfund.com, and then search the Moorhead uh, World Series trip, and then all the other places Dean said that is good. Remember, Virginia is for Glovers. I'm just kidding. That was a attempted humor there, Dean. The um, uh, the uh, <laughs> yeah, you got that. That's good on that, Dean. Thanks for uh, tell Wyatt. Uh, good luck to you, your staff, and those kids. Uh, make us proud. And maybe we'll check in uh, shortly to see yep. where you're sitting here before you head out. Thanks for the time today, yes. Dean. Appreciate it. One last thing, Jack. For everybody yes. out there listening, Moorhead actually 15 year olds are going. Uh, playing in Henning, Minnesota right now in their regional tournament. And if they win that, they will actually be going to the World Series the week after us in Jamestown, New York. So any uh, cheering for them and uh, pay them a little bit of attention and hopefully they can pull something off too. Yeah, I believe the uh, Class B champ, I believe uh, Park River, who won the uh, B tournament in North Dakota is in that same tournament as well. So, Yeah. So, yeah, a lot, yeah. Of, a lot of good youth baseball going on right now. That's fantastic, man. Maybe future uh, college players or Red Hawks players or Twins players that are on those uh, those teams, too. Man, that's good. Yeah, congratulations for those 15-year-olds, and good luck there in Henning. Dean, outstanding. Go get those boys ready. We know you will. And uh, maybe we'll have a chance, hopefully, to chat with you real soon. Thanks for the time today, Dean. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. You bet. Dean Meyer joining us, the Moorhead 14-year-old, the, the youth yeah, and could you imagine, Brad, the, the kids that didn't realize when they said, hey, you're going to Jamestown. Oh, good, we're going to play at Jack Brown. No, no. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Nope, Jamestown, Jamestown, New York, that is. We're going to New York. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, cool. the uh, AA tournament out in Dickinson, West Fargo tied it up in the seventh, so they're even up 4-4, going to the bottom of the seventh against Minot. So that's a winner's bracket game there, and then uh, post two and Bismarck follows, so really good baseball being played, so. Awesome. Great stuff today, Brad, with Wayne Baker Brooks. Get those Fargo Blues tickets. Get out there to Newman Outdoor Field tomorrow and Saturday. Great music. The Blues. Just sit back and and enjoy. Our thanks to Dean Meyer. And by the way, Brad, congratulations to Andy Grabdahl. Hit a huge three-run home run last night in the eighth inning. His first professional home run. So I thought I'd get that. And Red Hawks again tonight. Our pregame show at 6.15. And then it's the all-night drive to Canada. I'll bring you back some fish. Excellent. Thank you. (laughs) All right, we'll catch you tomorrow. Common Man is next at 740 Defense.